I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Sonata Walker here, and you know this is one of my favorite subjects. We're going to be talking about dogs. I love it. I have a wonderful human that works with canines, Phil Ferris, on with us tonight. Hey, Phil. Hi, Kristen. How are you? (laughs) Good. I'm so glad you could come on and uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, my name's Phil, and uh, I'm a, a a dog trainer. Actually, I'm a people trainer. If we want to get down to the root of things, uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I I've been in the uh, dog training arena for about 13, 14 years now. Uh, I got my start at training obedience, and then moved into service dog training. Nice, and that's how I know you. Our wonderful program director, Melanie Van, has a service dog for her mm-hmm. six-year-old autistic son. So we know you from that, from working with her dog. And one of the things that I have learned a lot about in being around Melanie and her son and around their dog is the big difference between a service dog and a therapy dog, which I've always had dogs that I trained to be therapy dogs and um, people had a lot of misconceptions around what that meant. And uh, I did a lot of education around the difference between those two. The big, big difference is the service dog is there for the person who it's attached to and the therapy dog is there for everybody else. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, service dogs, they're, they're specifically trained to assist with whatever disability the individual has where therapy dogs are there to, to, you know, help brighten your day. Now service dogs do right. the same thing, but they do it in a different way. Uh, for the specific individual, yeah, you're absolutely correct. Somebody with PTSD or type one diabetes or whatever the disability may be, not only is that service dog trained to perform tasks specifically related to that person's disability, they're also, they're also part of the family, just like any other dog. Right. Um, and they also bring a level of comfort outside the service aspect for the person with a disability as well. Right. And how did you, you know, how did you 
when you were little, did you say, I want to work with dogs? I mean, how did you get into this? (laughs) I, I, it was completely accident or by accident. Um, and I'm almost embarrassed to tell this story because I wouldn't ever suggest anybody buying a dog from a, from, from like a a mall pet store, but that's exactly what happened when my, my daughter was little, we were all walking through the mall and we walked into the pet store and there was this black and white blue eyed Siberian Husky that they had in there. Mm. And I went, Oh my God, she's beautiful. And my <laughs> wife's standing there looking at me with this fertile brow going, no, no. I said, I just want to take a look at her. Right. <laughs> so we got her out. They let us play with her. Well, then I found out what her birthday was and it was the same day. This was in September. It was the same day of my father's funeral in July. So I snatched her up. I, I <laughs> like, this is meant to be. I'm taking the dog with me. No, this isn't a setup because they couldn't have known that information. And it was uh, uh, it was a trying. I couldn't have picked a more independent cat-like dog breed <laughs> to start training with. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So on the ride home, she's all over the place, barking, yipping. And my, I'm driving, of course, and my wife's trying to handle the dog and, and my daughter's in the back seat, you know, really excited. And it just, my wife wasn't very happy with me by the time we got home. It took me about three or four days to go. I am so in over my head here. I don't know what I'm doing. I need help. Yeah. So I called up PetSmart and Fortunately, I got a trainer that was phenomenal. And I, I would say her name, but she might might hang me if I do it um, <laughs> because she no longer does it. But she was just a phenomenal, not with the dog, but with me. And she mm-hmm. made me see how I needed to to interact with the dog. Her name was Shay, by the way, Inter- uh, the dog, uh, interact with her to get her how to motivate her to get her to do what I wanted. So that was the start. That's how I kind of fell into it. I started taking classes and it was like somebody flipped on a light switch. Oh, nice. Nice. See, I always was around dogs. I mean, always like they were my refuge. So I knew everybody's dog's name. And it was like, oh, you're George's mom. Oh, you're Tiger's mom. You know, like I knew every dog ran around constantly with dogs all the time. And so because I just spent so much time from very early age, I was always in the pack on the ground, just as dirty and gross and whatever is whatever the dogs were doing. And I really learned about their behavior and how pack life is. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it helped me, I think, as an adult, really understand how dogs think and what they need from us in order to do what we want them to do you know, it just made it really easy for me. But it's really interesting when you don't know that it's a daunting because now I'm working with horses and I have no freaking clue what I'm doing. And it scares the heck out of me. I feel very lucky. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, (laughs) um, you bring that up. That's actually pretty interesting. Uh, Once I started getting the concept of this, that natural behavior of the dog kind of spread out to other things Mm. and it broadened my view on a lot of different things. Dogs are pack animals. Yeah. Horses are herd animals. 
the but they're they're both still pack animals. It's the the the, the predator versus prey. Right. Right. So horses act completely different because it's it's essential for their survival. Yeah. Where where you know canines, wolves, dogs, what have you, in a pack mentality, they act a certain way, or predatory, because it's essential for their survival. But I you know I know some concepts that I kind of got out of for horse training where pressure on pressure off and ideas on how to make the horse respect you but like you i'm scared to death of a horse because they are so doggone big (laughs) that if something happens you just you're 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 toast but they're beautiful animals and you mentioned melanie at the beginning of the program she's got a couple of horses and when i went to visit her the first time she took me out to see them and uh yeah, I mean, they're, they're majestic animals. I love you them. You might have met my horse. My horse secret is uh, stalled with her horses. Is Okay, I didn't know that. All right. Yeah, well, just I, just I took ownership. Well, took ownership. She took ownership of me, um, <laughs> and, and I'm working with her. And um, my dog that's with me is a Border Collie, and she's, like, not about the horses at all. Not, <laughs> One of them does not appreciate her being anywhere near them so yeah it's 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 an interesting dynamic to um to watch that i find my you know even though the horses are the prey and the dog is the predator the dog is hiding behind me saying mommy protect me while the horse is trying to bite it yeah (laughs) like "Hmm, okay so you always, well, you you got, came to love this as an adult. And in what ways has it, especially with the surface dog piece, because that requires a whole other, I mean, there's training your dog to sit and stay and, you know, not chew and whatever. And then there's training your dog to be of service to another human being where it's sometimes, you know, that's life and death. How you have to be at a place where you just are comfortable there uh, you have that confidence otherwise dogs just aren't gonna listen to you so how long did it take you to sort of bump up from just basic dog training to this service dog level of training? Oh, it, it, it took me a few years and i came across that accidentally by or by chance as well but the concept of training a dog in general is the same no matter whether you're teaching obedience or you're teaching service the the key is being consistent with it with a mobility service dog or a dog that uh that that has uh the service of of dealing with uh somebody with autism well here's an example autistic children tend to wander off they've got no fear right and and that's you know that's a big fear for families understandably one of the things that you teach the dog is something called grounding and it may be called something else in different places, but the concept is the same. All, and all it is, is the dog staying put with the, with, with the autistic child attached to it. So the kid can't go anywhere and get into trouble. Right? So if you're at a grocery store, say you're a mom or dad at a grocery store and you know, you're, you're taking your child with you. You don't want the child wandering off when you bend, you know, bend over to pick up an item and then boom, the kid's gone because it can happen that quick. Right. Uh, the dog is there to keep that, keep that child from, from taking off grounding. And it can be done standing or lying down. I like to do it lying down because I think it's more comfortable for the dog and the dog is dead weight at that point. But all that is, is a derivative of a lay. So you're teaching the dog right. first to lie down 
And then what you're doing is you're advancing that command into a grounding command to where the dog won't move, period, until the mom or the dad give it the command or, or hand signal or whatever it may be, however it was trained. That way, when it's being tugged on by the child, it doesn't automatically get up and walk off. But it's, it's, it's an extension, basically, of that down command that all dogs are taught pretty much from the beginning. Um, so. Yeah, and I've seen it in, in another way where, um, you know, if a child that's autistic is, you know, running out into the street, like that's their thing is they just run out into the street without, you know, that that happens and the yes. dog is constantly hurting them, mm-hmm. meaning H-E-R-D-I-N-G, not hurting, but hurting Correct. them back away from the street, back away from the street, back away from the street so that they don't run off in the street or the dog is distracting them so that they aren't so like focused on, I'm going to run in that street. And that's, you know, that's, that's an interesting, I've seen dogs do that naturally uh, Mm -hmm. with small children, like, oh, baby's running towards the door. All of a sudden the dog becomes a barricade, but I, I haven't seen that because of the training that's involved, I've only seen it when it's a service dog in training that really actively, they don't just become a doorstop. They're actively moving that child away. Right. And it, when you're talking about well, any service dog, it takes a specific type, not breed, don't misunderstand me, but type of dog who's going to be successful in, in doing that, who's going to become and grow into a service dog. And, and it takes some time to actually see that develop to where, you know, the trainer, whoever's doing it, is confident enough to go, okay, we can continue the training with this dog. But it starts with, it starts with the mom and dad the, of, of the pup. It starts with their mom and dad going mm-hmm. back into the, into the uh, pedigree to see if there were any issues, what the personalities were like and whatnot. So you can kind of start down that road of, okay, this dog, it's mom, it's mom was this type of personality. His dad was this type of personality. So chances are we're going to get this type of personality out of the dog. That's no guarantee. But for a dog to hurt a child like that, say a child's running towards the street, to, for it to do that, be completely focused on that child and not be prone to any outside distractions. Yeah, no squirrel making them go, oh, yeah, exactly. exactly. Right. To go against some of their own natural instincts. Yes, yes. And the same thing with guide dogs, seeing eye dogs. It's the same exact thing. Um, anytime you take a service dog out in public, it should be basically blinders on and focused on you and not prone to outside distractions. Right. So, so what are some new regulations around traveling with service dogs? Well, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> One of the airlines has put a ban on pit bulls. This came out a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, including service dogs. And that was specifically in the article mm. that I read. Um, the, there was somebody, I think, that, that, that works with the, uh, with the transportation department said, I, I don't think that's legal. So just know that, if you have a service dog and it is a pit bull, I am not saying anything negative about pit bulls. I love all dogs. If you're going to fly, y- you may want to look into this before you go to the airport because it might cause you an issue uh, if, if your dog happens to be that breed or any of the bully breeds. 
because most people, they look at a pit bull and it's not a pit bull. It's a Staffordshire Terrier or it's, you right. know, one of the other breeds that resemble it. Um, and they cited the, the airline cited that they had had a couple of incidents in the past year, I think, where, where, you know, one, one person had gotten bit or something to that degree. So that's, that's one thing to keep an eye out, out for. Uh, the other thing is they're now, the, the, and they have been for a little bit, but they're working on now a service, a couple of service animal registries. They're being built basically to root out fakes. And that's what the title says of the, of the news article that I'm looking at, service animal registries being built to root out fakes. And I scanned through the article yesterday. I saw it and I was like, okay, so laws are going to be changing. They're going to have to be in order for this to be successful. There's two different registries that they're working on. And under the Air Carrier Access Act, for this to, be, for this to work, the law that's in place now is basically going to have to change. So what you're going to end up with, and I don't have an issue with this. I actually think this is a good thing because there's a lot of problems out there with people with fake service dogs. Uh, and you see it all the time. There's a multitude multitude of stories in and around this this uh, this whole this whole issue. But specifically for flying or, or or traveling on a train or a a bus, there's going to be a registry made to where you know, the dog's going to have to be registered there. And I'm not exactly sure how it's going to work because they they didn't go into that much detail in order to be in order to have access to to that that mode of transportation. Right. Um, I am not sure they're going about it the right way. Right. <laughs> I think the laws need to be pretty clear first in the changing of them and what they're going to be. And then you start to implement the, 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 the registry because what it's going to lead to doing it the opposite is going to be a huge amount of confusion regarding service dogs and fake service dogs and businesses and what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. And do they have to, you know, let the person in with the dog? They don't have to let the person in with the dog. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and one thing for sure, service dogs are far more prevalent now in the public eye than they ever have been. And they're becoming more and more and more so as time goes on. And it's not a short amount of time. It's moving really, really quick. You have service dogs for PTSD, diabetes, mm -hmm. seeing eye dogs, uh, dogs that, that can detect peanut butter for people with peanut butter allergies. Wow. Um, so, you know, you've got a variety of different service dogs out there that do these different tasks that all fall under the ADA definition of a service dog. Right. And then you've got people that are throwing a vest on their dog that they got from Amazon and in bringing it in going, Hey, it's a service dog. Right. right? Well, unless the dog is acting uh, out of sorts or it's not under control or it's not potty trained or it's being aggressive, you're not going to know it's not a service dog. True. Right. So there's really no way to tell in that regard. Uh, but the, this whole thing with the, with the registries and this is, and this is going to be something it's going to happen. I, I can just about guarantee it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. The, the transportation administration is going to be first to implement this. And then it's going to filter over to 
just general public and the ADA laws are going to change as well. Um, they have to, it's just too out of control for it not. There are a multitude of states now that I've read about Hawaii being one of them. They're, they're starting to enact legisl legislation, making it illegal to, with the law having some teeth in it, making it illegal to, to portray a fake, a fake service dog as an actual service dog. Right. Um, and, and it's a big issue. The laws do need to change. They are too open-ended. And this is coming from a trainer, right? So the way the laws are set up now, anybody that has a disability can self-train a service dog. They can train right. their own service dog. Right. But the dog has to follow certain guidelines to in, in public to be accepted as such. Um, my only concern with these and this has been you know, stated before, people don't want a federal registry because of the fact that, well, what about the individual trainer? You know, Am I going to have to pay a bunch of money out of my pocket to go get certified to be able to train a dog that, that's my own that I want to train as a service dog? Um, whatever happens, the, the, legis the legislation needs to be inclusive to those people who don't have the money to do those types of things but have the skill. Right. Right. Yeah, it's an interesting can of worms that we're figuring out how to, you know, how to navigate. I mean, there are a lot of places, uh, some schools even, that will apply for funding for um, having a special needs program because it gives the school more funding. And now mm -hmm. I'm not saying that a, that a lot of schools do this. I'm just saying I personally know a few. And then they have absolutely no idea or support for the disability that they've received this funding to take care of. And they are so ignorant around service dogs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Parents are coming in and being just completely traumatized by the experience with the school that has a special needs program, but they won't allow service dogs, which is illegal. So there's just so much out there that is just misinformation. It's, it's kind of unbelievable. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. I've traveled all over the United States and there for about two years one of my biggest focuses was getting, getting, you know, for these families that where their children were going to school, getting the dogs in the school, training the staff, and having everybody understand what they needed to do. And for the most part, people were ecstatic. The schools were ecstatic. I mean, please, we want the dog here. We want to learn, blah, blah, blah. But there are those few that I've run into as well doing that where they're like, no, no, we're not doing that. And yeah, it's illegal. But what it, what, what it is... And, and it's, 
it's not enough to say, you know what, you're breaking the law. You, you got to, unless the person is just not going to listen, you you got to approach it from a, from a standpoint of making that fear of the unknown, which is what it is. Right. It's a fear of the unknown, making them more comfortable with that. And there's a variety of different ways you can do it. But uh, yeah, I, I, and I know of one particular individual that's been having an issue for a while, started this past year, and they've reached out to me for, for, for some advice as far as, you know, how to handle it. But it, it has not been going well. They have not been cooperative at all. Well, it didn't start out that way. I, th- I think there's been some headway made, but it's, it is, it's difficult. It's hard enough it's hard enough to have a child with special exactly. needs it's and exactly then you have to deal with this kind say. of, right. I mean, it's, it's like, and you know, a lot of people do pay um, to have a fully trained service dog and then they've spent this money and now they can't, you know, the every day that the dog is not allowed to be with their child because there's all kinds of ridiculous bureaucratic crap going on. They, the dog and the child are losing that bond. That was what the, dog was trained for in the first place unfortunately yeah they can't utilize the dog to uh, to to what it was designed for designed for trained for um it it is it is and and there are people out there that make things more difficult than they need to be but fortunately and you know for those of you that are listening that are having this particular issue with an employer or with the school uh you know this isn't to minimize the problem that you're having but fortunately those are those are fewer Right. Then, you know, fewer, fewer, fewer and far between. So um, I think there's a lot to be done in general in education for people who own businesses and schools and city of, and in uh, municipalities as far as understanding where their position is with these service dogs. Kind of going back to what I was discussing earlier about the pit bull ban on, on one of the airlines, there are municipalities that have banned pit bulls. Right. Right. So it kind of falls under that same, if it's a service dog, it's exempt from that. So it, it, it's just, it, it is, it, it's very, very new territory it for is. everybody involved. I think, you know, pet owners or dog owners of any kind can just, be responsible because I know just for me working with one of my border colleagues or two of them were therapy dogs and I could go into this one coffee shop all the time because my dogs were well behaved I Mm -hmm. mean they they never questioned is this a therapy dog is this a whatever they just I mean half the wait staff laid on the floor just to get some of miles you know (laughs) attention so you know but he behaved and I was a responsible owner in that he was trained he I wouldn't have brought him in there when he was a puppy and then you have other people that I've been with that bring their puppy in and the puppy's jumping on the table and the puppy is doing all this stuff and you know, and then someone does come over and say, um, is that dog a licensed blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I look at the owner like, come on, like you, like what you, what you said, you train humans, not dogs. I'm like, you, you know better. Human, you should know better. It's not okay to sit there and laugh and giggle while your dog is, 
you know, jumping all over a table. That's just not okay. It's not okay for the people that do behave well, like me uh, and my dogs. And it's not okay for, you know, the people that that are at that restaurant that don't appreciate a dog jumping around on a table. <laughs> Correct. Absolutely. And the other side of the coin too is somebody with a service dog. The last thing they want is any attention, any more attention brought to them. Yes, exactly. Then he's already there. So, you know, don't talk to the dog. Don't make eye contact with the dog. Don't bother the person and ask them if you can pet the dog. Leave them alone. And for those people who are, like you're saying, bring the bringing the dogs in that aren't service dogs, my question to somebody like that would be, what part of your life do you want to give up to have a real service dog. <laughs> yeah. Because people that actually need them, it's not that they don't want the dog, but they don't want to have to have the dog. They would rather have the, the health of, of their body than have to rely on, on another person or a dog or anything to be able right. to, to, to watch over them. So, you know, I, I think that's, and it's, it's another hard. thing. It is. It's very difficult. It's hard even for me. I mean, you know, I'll see a service dog. I know better and I will see one and the not making eye contact and stuff. I have to remind myself, don't. Your natural inclination is to say something or to, um, I don't bother the person with the dog, but I, my natural inclination has always been to like get the dog's attention or, you know, whatever. But I've been around so many that, you know, they're, they're not looking at me. They are focused on their task at hand. So <laughs> yeah, they're trained correctly and they're, and they're, the, and they're right for, they're the right type of personality to be a service dog. That's exactly correct. Yeah. Um, I was, I was in a school. This is kind of funny. I mean, and this person didn't do anything wrong. I had been to the school before. So the staff was pretty familiar with me and I was following the student from classroom to classroom, watching what was going on. It was more of an evaluation. Everything was going pretty good. Student would go into their homeroom, make the dog lay down beside them, and they would concentrate on what they had to do. Well, I'm standing back behind the door and the lights are off because they've got some screen up on the, on the bulletin board uh, or on the chalkboard. And the teacher walks in, really nice lady, looks over in the direction of, she's got her back to me, she had no way there, looks over at in the direction of the dog and the student, she was probably looking at the whole class. And I said, don't look at the dog. And she jumped and turned around and looked at me and, and started laughing because we'd had that conversation before um, <laughs> early on, like when he first started going there and she was really inquisitive about what she shouldn't do and what she should do. And uh, actually became a great advocate. And this was in a public school system, a great advocate advocate for, you know, for the child and the dog and, you know, not, D don't talk to the dog, no nothing. Um, so I was pretty proud of her. But it, it, but you've got people out there that will like do this drive-by swipe on the dog, meaning they'll walk by and they'll pet the dog as they're walking, or or you know walk up and ask the person if they can pet the dog, or you know any number of things. It just got to reiterate that the dog the dog is there for the person with the disability. Right. It's not there for you. Right. So no offense. If you want to pet something, go home and pet your own daggone dog. And read the vest. Read, you know, like my my vests yeah. on my dogs say, please pet me. Therapy dog. Mm -hmm. Like 
that's that's okay. That dog is okay to pet, even though you should always check with the owner first, no matter what. But if the vest says, you know, please pet me, I mean, just read it, read it. If it says service dog, don't don't do anything. Just don't even notice. And it's easy to say that. I know it is. It I is see so that. Like I'm pointing that. a finger at people and I'm like, I do it too. But the moment, all right, so you want to get more, do you want more people to pet your dog? I can give you a sure fire way to get more people to pet your dog when it's got that vest on. Take off the please pet me and put do not pet on it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Isn't that funny? I know they'll, they'll, it'll, they'll be looking right at the vest. Like it, when we would go into the hospital, we'd be in the elevator and they would be looking at the vest, bright letters, you know, on an orange background saying, please pet me. And they'd go, Oh no, no, no. Can't pet. And then yeah. someone would come in with a service dog and they'd be like, hi, Ralphie. Yes. <laughs> but it's Opposite effect of what you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. It's that psychology. I mean, we had to, it's, it's relaxed very much in the therapy dog arena. Like you couldn't used to have a deaf dog as a therapy dog. You had to wear a vest everywhere you went. You couldn't ever let him run off leash. And a lot of that stuff is really relaxed. You don't have to have a vest on them. When I was doing it, they had to have a vest. Uh, or they could not come into the hospital. So, and you've never off leash and certainly not deaf, but you know, all these things change, get, get updated, you know, online about what, what is valid and what isn't, and really contact you if, if they're really wanting to know, you know, regulations about what is, you know, proper human behavior around service animals and also proper service animal behavior. Well, I, I actually provide a, a few different services. I, I help people with training service dogs. I, I help them pick out the dog, and then it's a two-year program. And mm. it's remote unless they need me to come out, and then I go out, and then I assist them with it. Um, the other thing that I provide is training for employers in the corporate area. I, I help provide training for the employers and in, in the employees on what's acceptable and what's not. So if they have a service dog come into their uh, their business, all it takes is the wrong type of person and the wrong thing said, and now you've got a lawsuit. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And this helps to avoid that so people know going in, this is what I can ask, this is what I can't ask, and this is how I, I should present myself when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm dealing with somebody with a disability. I've got the unique experience of visiting, oh my gosh, I've lost count of how many families I've visited over the past few years all across the country and in Canada of, of seeing families from all walks of life, rich, middle class, poor, uh, and but the, the disability, with the disabilities and how the, their way of dealing with it and how the dog fits into that. Not everybody with a disability is a good candidate for a service dog. Right. Right. Um, and I've, I've seen families at their lowest point. I've seen them at high points and have helped them through those, help them navigate those waters to the best of my ability. Um, but one of the things that is very, very difficult aside from having a disability and having to have a dog to begin with is going out in public and walking into like a name brand department store and having an employee immediately go, can I see your paperwork? Yeah. 
you know, it's lack of training. And that's, that's, that's a big part of where my focus is. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very, it's very difficult for this person to begin with. Right. Now, now technically you're violating their rights under the ADA by asking that question. Right. Now, again, I think that's going to change at some point, but it may not be anytime soon. So until that happens, that, that guideline needs, or it's not a guideline, that law needs to be followed. So, you know, if, if employers need help with this, I'm available, I can do this mm-hmm. uh, and make sure that, you know, your employees understand the do's and don'ts, what questions you can ask. Again, I think I'm repeating myself here. Um, <laughs> and, you know, how, how to interact. They want to be interacted with just because you can't see the disability doesn't mean it's not there. Right, exactly. They're called an invisible disabil- disability for a reason. And people, you know, a lot of people tend to be judgmental or look and go, well, I don't know why he needs a dog. He's walking fine. Oh. You know, be a diabetic alert dog. You never know. Well, I know. you got diabetes from eating sugar. Type 1 diabetes doesn't occur that way. So I have had people literally come out. um, My ex-husband, I mean, he clearly has disabilities. He can't hardly walk. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's obvious with him like that he does. But I've had him be in a store doing his thing. And I run out to the car to the handicap parking to like just get my phone out or whatever Mm -hmm. it was. And then shut the door and have somebody grilling me about how dare I park there. And I'm like, you know, do you you really have nothing better to do with your time? Right. And I just try to handle it as compassionately as possible. I I don't want to say anything because if my ex hears about it, he goes absolutely ballistic. And then we do have an issue. But, um, you know, I, I have had a couple of people do that. And then he comes walking towards the car and they're, and they're immediately like, oh, I'm sorry. And I, I just say, listen, think about this, how you feel right now. Think about this the next time you want to go up and start wagging your finger at somebody. Yeah. Cause you never know what the real, tr- you know, what the truth is. Yeah. You it's, never none, know. it's none of your business to police. You know, that's why we have the police. That's <laughs> okay. Exactly right. That's exactly you right. You don't need to take part in the being the um, self-appointed, is this a service dog patrol party? Well, along those same lines, and, and I will admit that before I started working with families with with service dogs and families who had people and their families were dis- disabled, I was one of those people, I'd go walking through the mall, and if, a, and if a kid was screaming their head off, I would think. I would never say anything to anybody, but I would, you know, I would judge. I would think, oh, I'm going to get your kid under control. What's, mm-hmm. you know, what's your problem? And then I started doing that job and traveling and going, meeting, going and meeting these families all over the United States and in Canada and working with them and seeing not only the disability, but the impact that it had on the family, the impact it had on the child, a child on the spectrum they have a very difficult time dealing with their emotions. They don't know how to, to funnel those in a positive way. So everything kind of all comes out at once. And it's not a child throwing a temper tantrum. It's this human being trying to figure out the best way to deal with something that they, have, they, have no, they don't have any knowledge of, right? So my whole view on parenting, and if any of my former clients are listening to this, 
I got to thank you so much because you were teaching me and didn't even realize mm. you were teaching me. Yeah. Uh, my whole view on parenting changed. It changed oh. the way I approached my daughter. And it, Same. It, yeah. Right. I mean, it not just it didn't just change my view of how people were in public or how their kids were acting, but it changed it changed my view on parenting in general. Absolutely, hundred percent. Being around Melanie, I mean, we were at dinner, and you know, we can get so far with our son. He's phenomenal. I mean, he's oh, you've met him. I mean, he's just such a sweet. I mean, and then he's going to get up and tap dance in the booth. And that's mm -hmm. when I, I know, okay, lickety split, get the bill, get the, and I'll get up and go get the wait staff and say, Hey, listen, you know, we, we got a potential other patrons being irritated situation here. So let's avoid any kind of whatever and get out of here, lickety split. And that's us being extremely compassionate to other people because they might get irritated, but she doesn't have to do that. No, no, she doesn't. But most, I, I, get, I, I can't think of a family. You hear my dog clinking around behind me. I apologize. It's okay. <laughs> On this show, especially, that is okay. I can't think of a family that I've ever visited where that wasn't the mentality anyway. These families with these let's talk about the kids for a minute and because there are adults out there with, with with disabilities as well right but these families these moms and these dads with these children who have autism or type 1 diabetes or whatever the disability is my hat's off to you oh my gosh absolutely tough, tough job and you know you guys you guys are my heroes i i admire you so much you know, you've got a mom who's got a couple of kids and, and, and one of them is a type one diabetic. And, you know, her, her, her and her her and her husband are taking turns throughout the night, checking the kid to make sure it doesn't go into a coma and die. And then get up after they're being up all night and go to work full time and then come home and do it all over again. You know, it's been a great sort of litmus test for me to around other people that I've been a little hesitant about their behavior because mm -hmm. you get them around a child that doesn't act like how they think children should act. And I, I actually had someone um, getting upset with a child who was making noise before we were going on to do a radio show, right? Mm -hmm. And um, Melanie's son was making some noise. I mean, we weren't ready to record. And the person kept saying, that boy needs to be taken into another room. <laughs> and I was oh, like, oh, 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 I am the wrong oh, person no. for you to say that crap around, lady. I oh, don't boy. think so. <laughs> but that's somebody that doesn't Stop. understand. You know, they just don't oh, yeah. get it. And I, and I get they why. Uh, yeah. I understand yeah. why not. But if you've got an adult, you're an adult. You've got the capacity. We're supposed to have the capacity for rational thought when we're adults. That, that's what my wife keeps telling me. But anyway. Um, <laughs> hey, and I'm no, I'm no saint here. So you take a family with a child with a disability like that. All they want, all they want is a little bit of help. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. And to be really left alone to and then you bring experience. a service dog into yeah. the mix. You bring this service dog into the mix. Yeah. And 
in some cases, their emotional vulnerabilities are taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. They, they don't get what they're promised. So you take get this service dog that isn't trained as well as it should have been to begin oh, with. Yeah. Now you have a dis- disabled child that you're dealing with, that you have been dealing with, and a dog that you have to deal with that that isn't acting the way it should. And that's... And, and, I, and I wasn't going to go down this road and I'm not going to, you know, go too much into it, but it's, it just, it's, it's, it's hard enough. Yes, exactly. It's, it's just, it's hard enough to deal with having a child with a disability to begin with that, you know, that should be the extent of the issues that they have to deal with. Right. Exactly. Right? So, Phil, how can our listeners find out more about you and, you know, where, how, how to get in touch with you? Uh, they can contact me on my Facebook page by personal messaging me or private messaging me at uh, www.facebook.com forward slash I as in Ida, O as in Ocean, C as in Charlie, D as in David, the word development. So it would be OCD. E-V-E-L-O-P-M-E-N-T. Or you can contact me via my email address, Institute of Canine Development at gmail.com. Fantastic. And all spelled out? All spelled out, yes. Except for the K. The K and the nine. It's K-9. Gotcha. Well, fantastic. Thanks for coming on. Um, I love these kind of shows, giving people education. So I appreciate you doing this. We're both really tired on a Friday night. That's how dedicated we are to this. (laughs) Thank you, Phil, for agreeing to come on. Oh, no problem. My pleasure. And I'd love to come back anytime. Thank you so much, Kristen. Absolutely. And thank you to our listeners for another edition of Mental Health News Radio. Without good intentions, I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you, I can fight it. Good boy.